This is what having a blowtorch to the face <gasps> looks like. That's bad. That's what it's oh like. Oh my god. That's what it's like having a blowtorch to your face while you're alive. So we're getting started again. This is the time where he's like, you know what? I love killing these kids. I love it, but, you know, I, I need my own space. Needs he wants to move up in the world. He wants to branch out. We're starting tonight, October 13th, 1991. So if you remember, I said that he takes a break between 1986 and 1989 because the heat was on. Everyone's looking for him. He takes a three-year break. He is cautious about not getting caught. Mm -hmm. Extremely cautious because he's worried. Right. So October 13th, 1991. We're going to the Pagliani boarding house. This is actually a good uh, good thing that we're on the Google Earth because this, even today, looks like an old military camp. Like barracks and shit. Yeah. 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 Because this is what it was. What I was talking about last episode was the pioneer camps where kids would go kind of like summer camps. And this is it. So this is, you can tell how these buildings are, you know, that it, it used to be an old camp. Isn't that mm. crazy? Mm -hmm. October 13th, 1991, Pagliani boarding house, 50 meters from the country road. A citizen is walking by and he reports seeing something terrible. So... So this good Samaritan calls the police and the police come out and sure enough, not even in a shallow grave, just kind of tossed on the side of this road was a few things, a few different parts, a torso, legs with socks and something worse than that. I'm going to show you the photos. This kind of graphic. This was also found on the country road. Hey, Heidi. Hey, Shram. <laughs> hey, Heidi. Look at this. <laughs> Can you describe what this is? I don't know what I'm looking at. Or maybe this one's a little better. I still don't know what I'm looking at. You don't know what that is? No. What is this? Okay. Here's a, the leg right here. Here's another leg. Oh. It's skin. Oh. That's gross. It's skin. You got to love the skin you're in. Yep. Brandon got it. Is that skin? Yep. Apparently so. <sighs> Give him some skin. The police found some skin, just the skin, not the stuff connected to it. Isn't that crazy how you could just skin something? And it's just like, mm. you know, the skin is comes whole. It's like the chicken <sighs> fried ch KFC. I just ruined KFC for everybody. But, but like the chicken skin <laughs> is so good. Yeah. <laughs> so good. On the side of this country road, there was what I just showed you, skin. Now, near this skin was a torso. Just skin was found on the side of the road. Yeah, but near the skin was a torso, the legs both with socks on them, and the skin. But the head wasn't there, yada, yada. They can't, they can't identify half these kids. That's what we were talking about, and it gets worse. All right, oh, so, so tell me, this skin, he didn't do this in a forest. The first episode, he was stringing up kids right in the public forest, torturing them, cutting their head off, cutting their testicles off, and then leaving. He ain't doing this. He ain't skinning somebody in, the, in his public area. He's doing this somewhere else where he's got time. Okay. And he's alone. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's where we're starting. I stopped last time saying that he wanted to find his own place so he can do this and take his time and uh -huh. not worry about Russian. Yeah. Russian and Russian. <laughs> Russian. I see what you did there. See, Brandon's got it right. That's what the audience want to hear. They want to be like, oh my God, is that... 
is that skin? And you're just like, is that, was that skin or something? So anyway. We're desensitized. Yeah, but you gotta fake it, man. You gotta fake it. Oh, okay. That that was not it. Here, look at this one more time. Give me your best fucking thing, man, because I'm gonna put it. This is gonna be in the front of the episode, so you gotta sound terrified. Are you ready? (gasps) How was that? (coughs) Kind of mediocre. (laughs) We're going to get back to whose skin this was in a little bit. This happened October 13, 1991. Okay, but now we're going we're going back a few years, 1988. This is in the middle of his hiatus. He ain't killing anyone. He ain't killing no little boys. He ain't even looking for no boys. He's doing him. He's doing himself. 1988, he buys a car, which is a big thing. And this is actually going to be one of the things that get him caught. In Russia, at this time, it was pretty rare to have a car. Mm-hmm. Everyone didn't have a car like they have today. So if you had a car, I mean, probably like maybe what? One out of a hundred people had a car. Say something like that. So if you had a car, then then what? Then you can drive somewhere. So if you were popular. Well, think about this. This is this skin was found on a country road, which means the killer most likely had driven it and dumped it there. Unless he's got a a hideout like within 100 meters or so. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So that's very important. I dug a cellar where I was originally going to make a workshop, but then the idea came to me to use the cellar to commit sexual acts and crimes. I think you always wanted to do that. Concrete floor, concrete slabs on the walls for soundproofing, rings hanging up on the walls for torturing, you know, like little gymnast rings. Mm -hmm. And also what's new about this new development, remember he waits three years before he kills again, is he's changing his clientele. He's changing his victim list completely. Before it was kids at camp, okay? And the Russian authorities were getting pretty close to catching them since he worked at a camp. Now he's deciding to do runaway kids. So the parents won't know or won't even care to report them. No one's going to miss them. These kids are juvenile delinquents. Mm -hmm. He starts targeting nothing but runaways. He'll drive his car and look for a kid 14 to 16 or even a little younger. And he likes to find them if they're smoking a cigarette. Mm -hmm. So he'll and he's very specific about who he stops for. So if he comes upon a 14 year old kid hanging out by the bus station or somewhere when he should be home and he's smoking a cigarette, that's who he's going for. Mm -hmm. What he would do is he would befriend the kid and he does it the same way. Usually he walks up there and asks for a match. Hey, you got a match, yada, yada. And unlike before in the forest where he just immediately pulls out a knife and starts going haywire, Mm -hmm. he, he actually starts learning the psychology and how to talk to these kids, getting them really interested in kind of being friends, getting them interested enough to get in his car. Yep. And not only that, after they get into his car, he would try to convince the kids to rob a store. Not not rob, but just like put a few cigarettes in his pocket, maybe a bottle of vodka or something. Mm-hmm. Just slip it in his you know coat. If a kid will do that, according to Golovkin, it actually gives him a reason in his own mind to justify the murder. The kid's a thief. <laughs> He's stealing cigarettes. He's stealing 
vodka, even though I'm asking him to do it and he's still in it for me. Yeah, he deserves to be strung up, strung up and tortured. And- Interesting mindset that he has. According to Golovkin, this gave him a reason to justify the murder. If the child did not agree to illegal actions, then Golovkin instantly lost interest in him since he did not correspond to the image of a hooligan, like those hooligans who beat him many years ago, which had formed in his head and with which he strived for what to take revenge no matter what. What's up, Colleen? I was just asking about you. All right, let's talk about another kill. Let's get right into it. What I just told you about his MO and how he's picking up kids now, this is exactly the scenario that I just talked about play by play. Sir JP was a student at secondary school. He goes missing September 23rd, 1989. He was last seen at a bus stop heading towards Moscow. However, this boy never got on the bus. Instead, he hitched a ride with Golovkin. At about 1800 hours, Golovkin at the Perovkachusko railway station and the Otisinovo district put 15-year-old Sergei in his car, fraudulently brought him to the garage and forced him to go down to a specifically equipped basement. There at knife point, he undressed the boy and performed several violent sexual acts on him in various forms. Golovkin then tied his hands behind his back, put a rope noose around his neck and strangled the boy. After which, mocking the corpse, the killer hung it from the ceiling by its legs, cut off its nose and ears, severed its head, inflicted many knife blows on the body cut out its internal and genital organs. Using surgical knives and an axe, Golovkin dismembered the corpse, cut out the soft tissues, fried them on a blowtorch, and ate them. He kept the severed head in the garage. He opened the skull, burned out the brain, and gradually separated the skin and soft tissues. Golovkin later showed Sergei's skull to the other victims to intimidate them. All right, that was a lot. All right, let me kind of break it down here. This boy gets in the car. He is obviously one who steals because Golovkin would say if they didn't steal, they, he would just throw him out of the car. So at the garage at this point, at the basement, which is on a stud farm. So he was working on a stud farm. That's his job. He works on the stud farm. He commandeered a horse stable and kind of built a basement under it. Wow. I mean, it's, it's, there's got to be hardly no one around. I mean, he's he spent a lot of time with his horses, you know, and he's not actually at a camp. The stud farm isn't a camp. So he was working at camp, but now he transferred to where his whole job is just inseminating horses. That's all he's doing. Lovely. So he's a, he's got a lot of time, you know, to dig a basement. On his Mr. Hands? Yeah. <laughs> So at knife point, the boy was forced to undress, and then that's where the sexual acts take place. Hands tied behind back, rope, noose around the neck, and started strangling. And then it just gets intense, right? Fucking weird. Cut off the nose and ears, severed the head and the genital organs. Using an axe, dismembered the corpse, cut off soft tissues, fried them on a blowtorch and ate them, giving him the name the Blowtorch Cannibal. He then opened the skull, burned out the brain. I mean, just with the blowtorch, just burning the brain. And Yeah. I guess. Yeah. And gradually separated the skin and soft tissues. 
And then he kept the skull so he can later intimidate the future victims. Now, he's going to kill a lot. We don't actually know how many. When he does get caught, he confesses to 11, but they think it's well over 40. Wow. And some people even speculate that it's more than just boys. There may have been some girls in there, too. Hmm. In August of 1990, one boy goes missing in the military town of Velashka in October 1990. Two boys go missing, a sixth and a ninth grader at a secondary school. Those two boys were found July 16th, 1991, so a good six months after, in a shallow grave. Let, let me back up. Like The boys that were found... Is it's not like he was burying them. I'm going to show you. These are graphic photos right here. But this is how the boys are found. Literally, no. Wow. No. He's just driving out to the country in the forest and just throwing them out there. He's not digging holes. He's not putting any effort into concealing them besides being out in the forest somewhere. You see the skin is like ripped off the thighs there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can see it. So he ripped, he cut that off and ate it. But he's just throwing them there. Like, you know, it's nuts, right? Very. August 22nd, 1991, Nikita Bogdanov, a teenager, went missing. Golovkin admitted to luring the boy in his car. The boy agreed to commit some some robberies, and he took him back to the garage, hanged him up, and then sodomized him, dismembered him, drained the blood into a bath, amputated his penis and testicles, and then he skinned the boy and salted it, and quote, salted. Now, this is important. Nikita's murder is super important because it's one of the things that's going to catch him. That skin that I showed you earlier, which I'm going to show you again, so trigger warning here. This skin that I showed you earlier. Wolfie, what a line to come into. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. That's funny as shit. Okay, um, here's a better photo of it here. You can kind of see the arms. Mm. I mean, look how, like, waxy it is, too. Jesus mm. Christ. Now, I will say, I don't know why he did this. I, I've, I'm have i sorry, I, I can't say I've ever skinned a human. Nope. But he salted it. He salted oh, it. Oh, does that, like, preserve it? I guess so, but, I mean. Like a brine? But he's, uh, he's throwing them out, you know? So, but the fact that he salted it is going to be one of his downfalls. I'll I'll let you kind of guess why. I don't know. If... Because who else is salting the skin of humans? All right. I didn't know this, and I don't think you would know this unless you were a livestock trainer or a horse trainer. But I'm going to read this. This is from one of the reports. Quote, another important point was that the skin removed from the boy was salted with unrefined feed salt. Ah. Access to salt in such in such quantities could have been limited to a limited circle of people associated with agriculture and livestock raising. There you go. If he used good old-fashioned kosher table salt or Himalayan pink salt, <laughs> you know, it would have been much harder to figure out who done it. The the police really stepped up in the 90s because they actually formed a task force. It was called the Boa Constrictor Task Force. And they actually got the guy who caught Chikatilo, which was the biggest serial killer. And this guy's name was Vladimir. <laughs> His name was Vladimir Kolosk. Vladimir Kolosnikov. Oh, that was not bad. I mean, it sounded Russian anyway. (laughs) Whether or not that was accurate, we'll never know. 
Okay, so this guy who captured Chikatilo, which was a, if you haven't heard me do that story, that's the Butcher of Rostov. Very disgusting. Chikatilo, tell me what's wrong. Anyway, this guy, in 1992, he forms a permanent investigation group called the Boa Constrictor Task Force, and he saw stuff like that that no one else saw. The mm. salt. Wow, this is unrefined feed salt. Not only that, he also found something really interesting interesting in august of 1991 police were flooded in moscow not looking for this guy but in august of 1991 the state emergency committee was formed in hopes of removing president gorbachev from moscow it was like a coup uh, is uh, you wouldn't know it unless you were in russia i guess Anyway, this is really important because the boy that was found with the salt was found in his village, close to his village. And since there were so many police, because it was a big, big thing, and you could you could not travel is what I'm trying to say. You were not driving to Moscow to different places. No one was driving. So they knew that it probably was a local or at least someone localized to, you know, mm-hmm. however many miles. Because of the event, I don't know what it was, a, maybe a coup or something. I'm not really familiar with that history. Some Gorbachev, I think they wanted to throw him out or something. Or maybe that was just the translation was wrong. I don't know. But what I did see was no one was driving. And this was one of the points that the new guy, this Vladimir... Saul, you know, he was like, okay, he's probably sort of local mm-hmm. and he's probably in agriculture or livestock. Okay. And the other thing he said was, do you want to take a guess? There was like one more thing that this guy had to have. It was, he had to have a space to do this. He wasn't doing this in the forest. Okay. So let's look for someone in agriculture, someone who has a car, because the, even though this boy was local, all the bodies were were driven somewhere. They were alongside a road. Exactly. Yeah. Let's kind of focus within this area, too. I mean, there's a lot of villages that fit in this little area mm-hmm. they're talking about. But And so he has to have a car. He's got to work in agriculture or livestock. And he's got to have a place to do it. It's actually kind of impressive how, you know, they started finding this guy. Golovkin was looked at, but all the police knew was that he occupied a small room on the on the stud farm. He was in a second floor apartment like those barrack things I showed you. He lived in one of those. So how would he have access to to have his own space like that? It would be their question, right? Exactly. And no one knew he had his own basement because he would go out into the stud farm and he dug that by himself. No one knew. So, yeah, they were questioned neighbors and stuff like that surreptitiously, but no one said that they seen this guy with boys or anything. He sure he's sure as hell not torturing them and de-skinning them in his room, a studio apartment, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So they kind of said back to the drawing board. This is what the investigator Vladimir said. In 1986, he did not have a permanent place where he could cut up corpses. He went hunting for children, but there was an element of chance in this. The boa constrictor never knew in advance who his next victim would be. He picked anyone, practically the first person he met. He could stand and watch for whoever gets caught. Then, in 86, the boa constrictor killed where it attacked. The first dead bodies were practically 
physically not hidden. I showed you that bodies. So we also have the nickname the boa constrictor, not meant to be. Huh? The boa constrictor is one of his names. The f- boa constrictor, the fisher, the fisher, okay. and um, the blowtorch cannibal. Which that name doesn't come up until after he's caught, because no one knew he was doing that. Got it. Another thing that the detective found, this guy that caught Chikatilo, this Vladimir guy, mm-hmm. I mean, this is really impressive stuff that he figured all this out. It was like a big puzzle. Yeah. He also took a clump of hair that was found next to the body of Nikita. Yep. You mean the one that I talked about the salt and stuff? There was a clump of hair that was removed from around his body, and it didn't match the victim. So the detective's like, well, who the hell, who? Whose hair is this? It matched to another teenager killed a year ago. This means he has to have a car unless he's just carrying around hair in his pocket and his boy's body and torso. Why would the hair be there? He's like, he he mixed the crime scenes there. At this point, they're starting to look broadly at animal workers and livestock slaughterers who has transport, so they have to have a car mm-hmm. and a place to carry out the murders. Now, I'm telling you, they were, they were thwarted by the fact that he didn't have his own place. But eventually, they started broadly targeting everyone and, and looking at this whole pool. Right. Basically, animal workers that has a car. That has a car. That has a car. That was the big things. If you loosely fit those requirements. And they were looking at you. That's a lot of people because there's a lot of Rural. horse stud trainers and stuff in, in Russia in the in the 80s. In this area. Right. Exactly. Like Especially yeah. with the camps, the pioneer camps. Everyone's horse riding. If you're going anywhere in the forest, everyone's, you know, there's a lot okay. of. Do you think it was more than a dozen people, though, that they were looking at? Uh, yeah, it was. A couple hundred. Oh wow! Yeah, it was a couple hundred. A couple way hu- more than I would have. Thought. Exactly, a couple hundred that were agriculture or livestock mm. uh, trainers. Oh, I thought uh, the, and that wow. have a yeah. car. It was a couple hundred. Wow. Yeah, but you know that's that's not bad. The ones that they they did find that fit all three criteria. You know, he they have been they, on it. They got ruled out. Yeah, but those yeah. were the primary ones. But yeah, he was on this list of a couple hundred people. Wow. All right. In the evening of April 21st, 1992, we're getting up to his last kills right now, mm-hmm. The right before he gets caught. The April 21st, 1992, a 16-year-old boy was on the side of the street smoking. Golovkin pulls up slowly to the car, and this time something different happens. This 16-year-old boy pulls a knife on Golovkin and threatens him to get out of his car. He's basically carjacking this serial killer this maniac so this is like oh my god like the worst person you could do because this guy has just been skinning kids your age and blow torching them. I mean, and you think a little knife is going to stop this mm. guy. Golovkin quickly overpowered him and threw him in the trunk. Crazy. He recalled the crime, speaking dispassionately and expressively on one note. He undressed the teenager, tied his hands behind his back with wire, and committed lewd acts with him. The teenager did not resist. He was depressed. Then Golovkin hung his victim by the outstretched arms on a rack, as it was called in ancient times, tied a cord to the genitals and pulled, swinging the body. Then he began to burn his face in pubic hair with a blowtorch. When he was satisfied, he pulled a plastic glove over his head, which he used for inseminating horses. All right, a few things 
there. Let's first look at this glove. This is an insemination glove. He puts this over the head. But going back to what you just read, he hung his victim on a rack that in ancient times was used. He tied a cord to the genitals and pulled. So this this kid is on a rack with a cord tied to his genitals, and that's how he's hanging up. He hung this boy up by his genitals, and he's swinging him. He's, quote, swinging the body. He is really pissed off that this kid tried to carjack him. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, did they use that in ancient times? It says right here in ancient times. They called it Iraq in ancient times. I, I don't know. When he was not satisfied yet, he began to burn the face, burn this kid's face and his pubic hair with a blowtorch. Yeah, that's bad. When the boy was... Oh, man, this is crazy. After this boy was burnt with a blowtorch and the plastic glove was over his head, I mean, he was basically dead, but he wasn't at this point. This was a, a six-hour torture session. He's not going to let him suffocate. So when this boy started to choke and convulse, he would pull the bag off. Golovkin felt that oh, that power, every plea for mercy, every begging you, please let me go. Every time he did that, it just it just gave Golovkin more energy and power. And he was started staying up all night doing this. His co-workers would notice he would be sleep deprived. He would stay up all night, sometimes for multiple nights doing this. At the very end of this torture session, which lasted about six hours, he makes the boy, which by this point is completely willing to do, stand on a stool and he's got a noose around his neck. Finally, Glofkin violently kicked that stool from under his feet and the boy just, you know, the boy died. Then yeah. he swaggered over the dead body. He hung it by its legs, cut off the head, drained the blood, severed the arms and legs, opened the abdominal cavity, made an incision in the lungs, scalped the head, gouged out the eyes, cut the pelvic bones in half. The smell of blood, the sight of the pieces of the body greatly excited the maniac, bringing him, in his words, to an exalted, bright state. This is pretty, pretty intense compared to the first part, <laughs> right? Jesus Christ. Holy shit. Let's talk about the last three victims. Now, this was the first time he's done this and the last time because he gets caught. But the last three victims were actually together. He kidnaps three boys together. Aha. Now, these boys, he had met them at the train station on September 14th, 1992. They were going to Moscow, as they do every day, to play slot machines. These boys were between the ages of 13 to 15, I think. Hmm. Young, younger, younger boys, right? Anyway, Glofkin starts a conversation with them and says, hey, you know, you could save some of that money that you would have to, you know, put on the bus or the train, save some of that train money more for gambling, because I'm going to Moscow tomorrow. So I'll just come back here and y'all can ride with me there. So so that's kind of what they did. Now, mm. this is from the interrogation records. The investigator says, you know, describe these boys. Thin, blonde hair, 11 to 12 years old. The investigator said, well, what if they refuse to steal cigarettes? So the boys, once they get in the car, hey, I'm driving you guys to Moscow. However, I need you to do something for me. It's just a little petty theft. You just go in there and steal some vodka, some cigs, you know, no big deal. What if they refuse to steal the cigarettes? And then Glofton says, quote, then I wouldn't do anything with them. 
eventually he takes the boys to the basement before he takes before he takes them to Moscow. And that's where he overpowers them and starts tying them all up. I mean, there are three 12 year old boys and this guy is, you know, 30 something. And I mean, he's a a full grown grown man. man. Yeah, he's full grown. man. But that doesn't mean he could overtake three kids. He then tells the kids after he's got them all strung up, quote, have you heard of the Fisher? This is what I am. I also told them that they were my 11th and now I would kill them. And he told them he would kill them in what order? Now, he's killed a lot more than 11, but this is what he's telling the investigator. Okay. The investigator says, well, how was the sequence determined? Well, I like Efremov the most. I wanted to see him suffer the longest. So Efremov is one of the child. Efremov is one of the children. Mm-hmm. First, I went to torture Sidyakin while the other two watched. I put on a cattle insemination glove and put it over his head. They watched him suffocate, and then they watched me rape him. And then I hanged the boy up. Then it was Sharikov's turn. After all the torture, Golovkin put Sharikov on a stool with a noose around his neck and forced the last surviving boy, Efremov, to knock her out from under his feet in order to see his humiliation and submission to his will. It's supposed to be him, sorry. sorry. Um, so he's he just made this this kid, one of the best friends, kick this stool out from under his other friend. That's, that's fucked up. Really fucked I think up. that's more fucked up than the other stuff, you know? Yeah. Because he had to do it. Yeah. I mean... That's real bad. Golovkin then dismembers Shardokov in front of Efremov's eyes. So he's watching him dismember his friend right in front of his eyes. He even showed Efremov the internal organs. And then finally, now each each boy had to watch the other ones get tortured. They got tortured one at a time. He said it was about three hours each of torturing. And this went over a two-day two day event, two nights, so two evenings here. So that's a lot. You have to watch your friends get tortured for hours and hours and hours. And then your torture lasts about three hours. Mm-hmm. You know, he then hanged the last boy, Efremov, on a hook by his hands, and he started to torture him. He burned obscene words on his chest using a wire. So he got a little wire, took the blowtorch, heated it up, and started writing like not like Nazi symbols, swastikas, Zig Heil, Hitler, like all kinds of crazy shit, right? And then he, quote, scorched his face and pubic hair with the blowtorch. Now, this is a very graphic photo, but we have the photo of Efremov. So while he's alive, while he is alive getting tortured, and this is graphic, this is what this is what having a blowtorch to the face <gasps> looks like. That's bad. That's what it's oh. like. Oh my god. That's what it's like having a blowtorch to your face while you're alive. I mean, Jesus Christ. That's like the worst one ever, is it not? It almost looks like a bronzed statue. I know that's look at this colored by the photo. You can see all the burn marks all over his body. Oh god, it's like melted. Yeah, it's melted. That's bad. That one's terrible right there. That's probably one of the worst crime pictures I've ever seen. Jesus is fucking terrible, dude. Heidi says you can't unsee that. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, this one's bad, too. This one's where they're, uh, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, I don't even know what I'm looking at. I, I, think it, I think this is a medical examiner trying to, I don't know, autopsy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was kind of fucked up, wasn't it? Uh... 
He then took he takes these corpses to the forest near Chetsovskaya, near Chetsovskaya. Before burying them, he tears out the skin, gouges out the eyes, cuts out the thigh muscles for consumption, scalps the skin from the faces. And um, can you read what this psych- psychiatrist said about Golovkin? The murders brought Golovkin double satisfaction, firstly sexual, which he received at the sight of the torment of the victims. Their dismemberment in contemplation of cut off parts of their bodies. And secondly, psychological, since by raping, slowly killing, he made his victims suffer, thereby taking revenge on his mortal enemies, not the boys and teenagers who previously offended him, but boys in general, which indicates that the construction of a certain generalized image of something they terribly hate. This means that he did not know how to differentiate people, and this alone significantly reduced the value of a specific human life in his eyes and contributed to its violent deprivation. Revenge and self-affirmation are the main motive of his ultra-violent crimes. So remember, this goes back to that when he was 12 years old and he got bullied and nearly got killed by these by a group of kids so now he just he got back at them i mean not those kids specifically but every boy ever but this the psychology is there because would those boys going back to when he was 12 would those boys who jumped him would they also lift cigarettes from the grocery store maybe they would because they're bad people and that's how he kind of says okay these are the people i'm targeting if they didn't go along with because every boy he got he would make him go through this i need you to steal something for me and if they didn't do it he lets him go so it's literally the revenge is his motive because he's like okay i know if they would steal then they would probably uh, get in a group and beat some kid helpless kid like they did me and that's his psychology because none of this was sexual it was all just revenge isn't that nuts Mm -hmm. so anyway that's a crazy story Uh uh-huh before the friends left remember they were going to come back that one day and then ride with golovkin before they went back that one day they had told another friend that a man named golovkin was taking them to moscow on october 4th a mushroom picker found the children's graveyard that's what the report said a children's graveyard wow (laughs) The inspection of the basement really quick. This is what was found in the basement. A baby bath with traces of charred organic matter and a characteristic smell of organic matter. Streaks of blood on the wall. A trough with fragments of charred skin. Two hooks in the wall with a ring. Sweatshirt covered in blood. Barrel blue and white ropes in a box. Wire blowtorch. Rope. Knife syringes. Matches. Scalpel. Petroleum. Condoms. Needles. And more. This is some of the knives he used to kind of torture and cut up the uh, cut up the kids with he confessed to 11 murders between the years 1986 and 1992 but it's believed that he's killed many more a another psychiatrist said uh, not only did he solve all of his most important life problems with the help of death he was not only irresistibly attracted to corpses and their dismemberment, he was given sexual and psychological satisfaction by death itself in all stages, from the boy's horror of inevitable pain 
their prolonged suffering and agony, the dismemberment of the bodies, cutting off the head and other parts of the bodies, tearing off the skin, etc. His necrophilism was manifested in the fact that he took individual parts of the body home and admired them for a long period of time until they began to rot. Actually, this man existed as if in an other world where there is neither good nor evil and everything is equally gray, dull, and ugly. He didn't need anyone and the death of his victims was the main goal and meaning of life. And that's it. That's Sergei Golovkin. Well, what happened to him? Uh, he was actually the last person ever to be executed in Russia. Wait, Russia doesn't have the death penalty anymore? That's, I guess not. That shocks me, actually. Yeah. Oh, um, oh that's right. They just send them to Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> on, Got Ag- it. on August 2nd, 1996, Golovkin was executed by a single shot to the back of the head. He was the last person to be executed in Russia before the abolition of capital punishment. Wow. So that is the blowtorch cannibal. Russia's getting soft. Yeah. But anyway, we're going to go play some video games. Thanks for being here, guys. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. See you tomorrow. Looking forward to it already. Good night, you lovely, lovely people. I kind of run this shit.